Hey, good morning, Soma, or good evening, Soma family. Oh my gosh. Well, happy Father's Day, huh? Hey, I hope you guys wished your fathers happy Father's Day so far today, or gave them a card, or just gave them space, whatever they need. You know, like, I know Father's Day, you know, fathers celebrate differently than Mother's Day, so that's why we're having Soma on Father's Day. And if you came, I just want you to know I'm so glad that you're here. If this is your first time, this is obviously a place where you can come and celebrate and hang out with some cool kids like us, or you can actually check us out on YouTube. Hello, YouTube family. I know that you guys are chilling at home with your families, but you have a great night in store for you. We have a great night in store for you guys. If you have been following us, we've been in a series called Adulting, right? Adulting. That's right. Diani has a shirt that says, I can't adult all day. All right. And in that series, if you go back in the archives, you'll be able to listen and you'll find that we define maturity as in your ability to decide what God's will is in each situation. Basically, your ability to decipher whether or not God wants you to do this or not in every single situation. Now, most of us can't necessarily do that all the time. That's why it's called maturity, and it's something that we're doing, and we are adulting, you know, and some of us are adulting spiritually, and some of us are just learning how to do our taxes, and so that's very practical. And last week, what did we, guys, what did we talk about last week? Whoa, you guys are awesome. Yes, we talked about responsibility. And uh, we talked, you know, about 30 minutes about what it looks like and why would we even want to be responsible. So I'm not going to tell you the answer uh, because you guys have to listen to it on your own. So just go ahead and follow us and check it out. Check it out. Um, tonight is, is really special. Um, I, 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 I usually get the same, like I have a, a teaching team, like everything I do, um, one of our values is that um, we value team, like building a team in everything we do. So that's why we have a prayer team. We have a connection team. We have a cafe team. So everything we do is a team. So there's no like one person that becomes a superstar of any particular uh, ministry experience that you encounter. We have a video team. We have all those type of teams. We also have a teaching team. And those are, you know... Um, People who are seminary, you know, either grads or in seminary, people who are high caliber speakers who have been trained in a theology to come and share God's word. And I, I would not give this pulpit to anybody who I didn't trust and who, who I don't think you would walk away with experiencing just amazing Jesus time right now. So um, the, the person that I'm bringing up is someone you've never experienced before at this point. Uh, he, he has interned at pretty awesome places. He's, <laughs> he's got like multiple degrees, like, you know, you know, multiple degrees from all different parts of the country. He's worked at big old mega churches, all different parts of the countries also. And uh, recently we've hired him to be Rocky Peaks Junior High Pastor. Yes. And because I know that you are an encouraging group of people, you guys are generous with your applause, you're generous with your laughter, and you're generous with your loudness, I want you to give this man a nice, generous round of applause. Wait. Right when I, when I announce him. All right. So, it's my great honor and privilege to bring to you Rocky Peaks Middle School Pastor, please welcome Grant Vitito.
I have the most awkward, like, response to applause. Like, I'm like, ah, I feel weird. Um, wow, thanks for setting the bar so high. I'll be sure not to come anywhere close to it. Um, <laughs> but really. So, yeah, thanks for asking me to come on a high attendance Sunday. Um, I appreciate there's going to be no, there's going to be very few people there. Who should we get? Grant. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I have to be completely honest with you. Uh, I really struggled with what to talk about. Usually I don't have any problem um, figuring things to talk about. I just start talking. Um, but with you guys, it's hard. And I think it's, it was hard for me for a few reasons. One, because I usually speak to middle schoolers, right? And you can say fart jokes and they just laugh. Um, with you guys, I, I was like, man, what should I do? Should I... Should I be funny and witty? You know, should I, should I wow you with my, my, my theological backgrounds and make you not understand anything that I say and go, that guy's smart. Like, I, you know, d- did I want you to leave and kind of go, man, that guy's the best speaker I've ever heard. I'm going to hire him for my birthday party. Like, I didn't, I didn't really know what, what to talk about or really how to talk about it. And uh, this one word just kept coming to my, my mind. I couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my mind. Um, and it was the word real, right? And, and the reason why I feel like I couldn't get it out of my mind was because um, I feel like that is something that a lot of people struggle with. It's this idea of being real. It's things that I struggled with. Um, and if you can't get past this idea of being real with who you really are, then you're never going to make progress in your spiritual walk. And so what I want to do is um, tonight is I want to be real with you, um, and I want to encourage you to be real about yourself and, and who you are. And I want to start off by just kind of um, telling you a little bit about um, kind of how I got into ministry. So I've been doing ministry uh, for 17 years, um, which is a super long time. I am an old man. And I've done everything. I've, I've done college ministry. I've done high school ministry, middle school ministry, and then I've been over all of it. Um, and, and so I've, I, I've gotten to see kind of God move in different ways. And, but when I got into ministry, I had zero desire. Um, I had zero desire to be a pastor, um, which is weird that I got into ministry and had zero desire to be a pastor, but it's true. Um, my dad told me I had to get a job when I was in college. And I, I was going to a college uh, called Texas A&M. And uh, the only job that were available was there was a job opening picking like walnuts for the horticulture department. And I was like, absolutely, I'm not doing that. And so I was really struggling with what to do. And um, I was at a bad point in my life. I had grown up in church um, and really became super cynical of church. Um, I got tired of everything that church was. Um, I got tired of people praying the same way. I got tired of popcorn prayers. I got tired of um, just everything. And I I'd started looking at things that I shouldn't look at on the internet. Uh, I was a ball of anxiety all the time. I was super insecure. I had all these things that were going against me. And I, somebody had said, Grant, you should be a student pastor. And I was like, I will never do that. Because that's what people do if they can't do anything else. Right? That's what I thought. I mean, that's what I thought. Because my youth pastor growing up, I was like, oh, dude. He would always go, man, I'm just so tired. I'm like, what, from planning your ski-like retreat? Like, what are, you, what are you tired from? You realize there are people who do real jobs. And, but this guy called me up, and he said, hey, I know your student pastor um, when you were in high school, and he, he recommended you, would you be interested in being a student ministry intern? 
And I was like, no, I would not, actually. And he said, well, it pays $600 a month. And, I, and by, at that time, it was like a small fortune, right? And it sure was better than picking walnuts. And so I'm like, what? Of course, I love Jesus. <laughs> and so I became a student ministry intern. Um, and the fact that knowing where I was personally uh, at that time in my life, um, the fact that I was an intern was a small miracle. Um, but here's the thing. I was really good at not being real. I, I knew exactly what to say. I knew how to say it. Um, if somebody came to me and said, hey, man, what's your favorite verse? I had a favorite verse that I had picked out that I would say every time. If somebody said, hey, man, uh, what, are you, what are you reading in your, in your personal quiet time? I would always say Philippians chapter 3 all the time. I had, like, for six years, I was in Philippians chapter 3. <laughs> because I knew I could say that and go, you know what, I just... God really spoke to me last week about that. And I could like say all the kind of stuff. I knew exactly how to pray. I knew all of that. But I was fooling people. Because I knew underneath I wasn't where, where God wanted me to be. And I didn't enjoy it. I, was, I hated church. And the church that I went to, I ended up leaving Texas A&M, went to a school that I'm embarrassed to even talk about to this day, called East Texas Baptist University. Like every word in that thing is embarrassing. <laughs> East Texas Baptist University. Um, at least it was a university, kind of. Um, but I ended up going there, and I was an intern, and there was this kid that we had um, in, our, in our high school ministry. He was a senior in high school at the time, and his name was Byron. And Byron was like one of the weirder kids I've ever been around. Um, <laughs> I was very encouraging, too. Um, I didn't judge anybody except him. And he was a senior. He was really, really short. He looked kind of awkward. Um, really nice kid. He always was at church. He was always helping out. Um, but Byron was made fun of. Back before you had bullying, it was just called not being nice to people. Um, no one even knew what bullying was. They're like, ah, it's normal. You just punch them in the face. It's okay. And, and so, like, Byron was basically, people used to, like, joke around with him, not because they hated him, but because he was such a funny guy to, to kind of mess with. And so one of the things that guys used to do all the time was they would go up behind Byron and they would slap him on the butt, which now you go to jail for, but back then nobody cared. And it's East Texas, too. What are they going to, like, man, there ain't nothing wrong with that. Um, <laughs> good old butt slap. Perfectly normal. <laughs> And so guys would slap, and he would make this sound, and I'm not exaggerating. The sound that he would make was this. He would go, <laughs> Which let me just say, if you don't want people to slap your butt ever, <laughs> which I hope you don't. Um, somebody's like, actually, that sounds great. Um, <laughs> another lesson for another time for you. Um, but if... But if it was not the most, like, when he did that, it just encouraged people to do that all the time. And so guys would slap him on the butt. They would slap him on the back. He would make that weird sound. He was just a very unusual guy. And bad things always seem to happen to Byron Beathy. Like, one time we were going to, uh, we were going to Chick-fil-A to eat. And he was in a car in front of my, my friends. We were in another car. And he's driving. And all of a sudden, his car starts sliding. I guess it hit, like, a slick spot on the road. And it goes off the side of the road onto a curb. And so we, ca- we pull up to the side, and we call him. We're like, Byron, dude, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm okay. And then all of a sudden, we hear this, I'm a poosh. <laughs> like, Byron, man, what's wrong? And we hear him go, uh. <laughs> the airbag on his car had a, de- a delay. And as he's talking to us on the phone, it deploys 
and smashes his phone into his face and breaks his nose. <laughs> and as the encouraging friend that I was, I could not stop laughing. <laughs> I, I would, I, he, he, he would claim, Byron would claim that his stomach was very sensitive. I don't get, I don't do well with sensitive people. Um, and so we would go to this Mexican food restaurant and they had um, salsa and then they had this like green sauce. And so I would put a bunch of green sauce in my mouth and I would go, Byron, and spew it out of my mouth and he would throw up. And this happened every time. Um, so I, as an intern, I already told you, I, clear, I started off by saying I was not where I needed to be spiritually, obviously. And, and so this one time, we went canoeing, which let me just say, the worst thing ever. Like, I like whitewater rafting because all you have to do is just let the current take you down the river. Canoeing is like effort, right? Like, all right, well. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so boring. Like, I can't feel my arms now. This is not fun. Um, but we went canoeing, and there was just a str- like a ton of canoes, a big line. And my friend Anthony and I were in the back, and Byron was with our student pastor in the front. And so we're kind of canoeing. And my problem is, I think like, I, still, I think like a four-year-old. And so I started thinking, I told Anthony, I'm like, man, this is boring. I was like, dude, let's, let's, let's liven this thing up. So what we started doing was, like, the, the water was, like, super cold, like 50 degrees, which is perfect for being annoying. And so we were like, hey, let's, like, tip everyone over. Because who doesn't love to be tipped over? And so what we started doing was we started going, hey ya, hey ya, hey ya, hey ya, hey ya. And then we get right close to them. We go, ooh, and I would jump from my canoe into their canoe, grab the center, and just flip people over. Their shoes are floating down the river. People loved us. We were very popular. Um. We heard some curse words. Uh, so one at a time, we would go and just tip people over. And then we finally got to Byron Beathy's canoe. And I really wanted to hear him scream. And so he was like, no, guys, don't. And we're like, Byron, we're coming after you. And so we're like, hey, uh, hey, uh, hey, uh, hey. Uh. And he just starts like way like screaming. And we get right up to his canoe. I'm about to jump into it. And the youth pastor looked at me. And it was like that look that I used to get with my mom all the time. Where it's like, oh, you mean business, right? And he said, do not tip us over. And I was like, mm, okay, whatever. And I'm like, you better be lucky. You're lucky, Byron. I'm coming after you. And he's like, you know, Ugh. and And so I thought nothing else of it. And, you know, the way it works is you go on a canoe. You go, it's really kind of boring when you think about it. You go down a river, and then a bus takes you back to where you came from before. And it's really kind of useless. And so I'm on the bus ride sitting next to the youth pastor, and he turns to me, and he said, Hey, man, uh, sorry I got, you know, kind of mad at you, but there's something you don't know about Byron Beathy. And I'm like, no, I know. He's annoying. And he said, no, no, no. He said, Byron has this disease, and underneath his skin are a ton of tumors that are non-malignant, but they're attached to these nerve endings. And so every time Byron Beathy feels pain, if you slap him, if you do anything to him, even if you touch him too hard, he's in extreme pain. And he said, if he would have tipped over, that cold water would have caused him to go into shock, probably. And I'm like, wow, well, how, why doesn't he tell people about this? And he said, well, Byron swore that only three people would know, and he, he made us swear to him that we wouldn't tell anybody because he didn't want to be treated any differently. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I started thinking of all the times that I messed with Byron Beathy. 
And I said, well, is he going to die from this? And he's like, no, no, no. It's never happened to, to anyone with this disease, but he still has this disease. And I'm like, okay, cool. So three months go by. The student pastor calls me in his office again. He said, hey, man, uh, some crazy stuff has happened to Byron Beathy. And I'm like, what? He said, well, Byron is the first case ever with that disease for it ever to go malignant. And one by one, the tumors under his skin started turning malignant. And he had them all under his skin, in his head, in his back. So in, on the, over the, next course of, uh, the course of the next couple of months, he had to have multiple surgeries. But the crazy thing was he would come to church and he would serve at church with bandages over his head and he would beg the nurses to let him get out of the hospital so that he could come serve at the church. And he was unbelievable. And everybody felt super guilty. And <laughs> as you can expect, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have slapped him on the butt millions of times. And, and so he went probably two more months and then he ended up dying. And uh, he was so well-known, people loved him so much, that the state of Texas actually flew a flag over the Capitol um, in remembrance of him. So you can actually go and you can Google Byron Beathy, and it, it, like the state of Texas has this thing written about how great he is. And they ended up donating his body to science because he's one of the only cases, he's the only case it's ever happened to. But a couple months after his funeral, I found his journal. It was in the back of my car because he would always ride in my car. And um, I was kind of looking through it, and I, I read this journal entry of his, and I'm just going to read it to you. He says this. He says, Dear God, even though I'm going through all this hard stuff, I want to thank, thank you for my life and for giving me a purpose. I hope other people can be excited about you too and find God's purpose for their lives. And that really messed me up because I knew that I wasn't living a real life. And I kept wondering, what is it about a guy like Byron who can have all this bad stuff happen to him, and in the middle of the bad stuff happening to him, he still wants to serve in church, he still loves God, and he's still pursuing God's purpose for his life. And I knew I was an intern, I was employed by the church, I was teaching other people, and I was as far from God as I thought you could possibly get. And so I had to teach myself, I had to be honest with myself, I had to be real with myself about who I really was. Because I've been living a lie for so long. And so what I want to do is, I want to ask you guys, I want you to ask yourself the same questions that I had to ask myself. Because I think that, and, and maybe no one in here is going through this stuff. And if that's true, awesome. But I kind of figure there's at least one person that maybe you're dealing with the same stuff. And so I want you to be real tonight. And I want you to ask yourself these questions. So the first thing I want to talk about is this. Do you really have a relationship with Jesus? Do you really have a relationship with Jesus? Because here's what I know. Here's what the Bible says. In John 10, 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. When you think about your life, do you, are you living life to the full? Has God given you a new life that you are living 100%, that you are on fire for him? Are you living life to the full or is it just kind of, kind of boring to you? Is it awful to you? Is it not fun to you? In Acts 4.20 it says, As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. And what that's from is um, Peter and John, the disciples, they were going and they were telling people about Jesus and the religious leaders got them and they pulled them aside. They said, stop telling people about Jesus. And that was their response. Look, we have a, a life change happen with us. We walked and we talked with Jesus. We saw him die. We saw him rise, rise from the dead. And you know what? We are so excited about Jesus that we can't help but tell people about him. 
There's this excitement that flows out of you when you understand and you realize what Jesus has done in your life. And can you say honestly in a real way, is that you? Or are you the kind of person where if I was to say, who is the last person you shared your faith with? Some of you may have been Christians your entire life. And if you're honest, you've never shared Jesus with anyone, not one single person. And for some of you, maybe you've been Christians for a long time and you wouldn't even know how to share your faith. And the idea of sharing your faith scares you to death and there's no way you would ever do it. The question I want you to ask is, why is that? Right? If there's no excitement in your life, why is that? Because the natural reaction of humans is that when something good happens to you, there is a reaction. When it is Christmas time and you get the present you really wanted, what do you do? You tell people about it in an annoying way, usually. Right? Take pictures of it. Oh, check out what I got. I'm so. You want everyone to know about it. When you're in a relationship with the opposite sex and you want everyone to, you always want everybody to know about it, right? What are you doing? Oh, I'm just hanging out with my girlfriend. She's pretty cute, huh? Want to see a picture of her? Hmm? Right? <laughs> Parents do that all the time. Hey, how's it going? I, I, there, was this, <laughs> there was this guy from my hometown that I graduated with, and I was home for Christmas last year, and I saw him in Walmart because I'm from a town where that's all you have. And <laughs> you go to Walmart, it's like, I know everyone. And they're all standing in the deli section because there's nothing else to do. We used to have a blockbuster, but you know how that worked out. And... <laughs> And his name's Chad McCray. And I was like, hey, Chad, what's going on? How are you? And he goes, I'm doing well. Check out my kids. And he just would not stop talking about his kids. And he's the kind of guy who's like, hey, doesn't he look like me? And I'm like, it's a baby. I don't know. You both have big heads, so I guess. I'm not sure. (laughs) We're friends. I was just kidding. Kind of. (laughs) But that's what happens when you're excited about things you want to tell people about it. So if you're not telling people, why not? Now, I want to stop here, and I want to say this. Your actions do not make you a Christian. All right? Let me just throw that out there. All right? Don't think that your actions make you a Christian. Because, and you probably know that if you grew up in church, you know this verse. These verses, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You are not saved because of your works, because of the things that you do. But here is what being saved means. When you are saved, when you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, have you guys heard that before? Come into my heart? When I was a kid, I used to think that's how people got heart attacks. That a little Jesus comes into your heart and is like, hello, and then you die. And even to the point where I was in college, I never understood the idea of why do Christians say, did you ask Jesus into your heart? What does that even mean? It makes no sense. But then it kind of hit me one day. The heart is what's responsible for pumping blood to the whole rest of your body. So when you ask Jesus to come into your heart, what you were saying is, I want you to control all of me. I want, and, and, and here's the thing. The Bible says when you become a Christian, you ask Jesus, you acknowledge that Jesus is your Savior, and you ask him to be your Lord. When you acknowledge that he is your Savior, what you are saying is, Jesus, I realize that you died on a cross for me. You lived a sinless life. You rose from the dead, and I cannot be saved without you. So you're saying, hey, you're my Savior. You save me. When you say, hey, I want you to be my Lord, I always think of like castles, right? the Lord of the castles in charge of everything, you're telling Jesus, I want you to be in charge of my life. You control my life now. You control the direction you are driving the vehicle of my life. 
and, and, and here's what that means. If you say, hey, God, I want you to control my life, and then you go off and do your own thing all the time, what does that say about you? That would be like me saying, man, Kelly, you're my friend. And then punching him in the face as hard as I can, which isn't that hard, by the way. But it would make no sense. Why would I do that? Why would I say, hey, you're my friend, and then not treat you like you're my friend? That's like getting married, and I get married, and I say, hey, I love you till death do us part, and then leaving and never coming back. doesn't make any sense. Why would you say that and then not do it? And so, yeah, you were saved by grace. You were not saved by works. But for some of you, your actions do not match up with your words. You're, you're singing songs about how awesome Jesus is in one breath, and in the next breath, you're doing your own thing. So you need to be real with yourself, and you need to ask why that is. Why is that? Is that, one, is that really you? And number two, why are you doing that? So do you really have a relationship with Jesus? The second thing is this. Are you really living for God? I feel like I've known a lot of Christians over the years that it's almost like Halloween. They know how to put the mask on. You put whatever mask suits you at the time, right? You're around certain friends. You put on that mask. You're trying to be cool and impress people because secretly deep down you're insecure and you want people's attention. And so you act this one way. You talk a certain way. You do certain things. And then you come to church and, man, you put that mask on and you fooled everyone. You know exactly how to, how to act in church. But you know underneath that you're not really living for God. Some of you have relationships that are awful. And you're, you can hide it really, really well. But it's going to catch up with you. All these things catch up with you eventually. Here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12 verse 2. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Here's what I love. I love the word transformed. One, because as a kid, I love transformers, right? It was like two toys in one. You got a gun and you got a robot, right? But here's the deal. Here's what I loved about transformers. Here's what I loved about transformers. They transform into something cool. And when God says be transformed, what he means is become something new. And, and when I talk about this idea of, are you really living for God? Here's what I need you to do. I need you to be open, with, open and honest and real with yourself. And you need to be open and honest about who you really are. At the end of the day, when you take all these masks off, and it's that weird spot between like sleep and not sleep, when you're like really like thinking about the day and life, you know who you really are. Stop playing the game if you're, if you're playing the game, all right? It, God knows, right? And it's going to catch up with you. I did it for a long time, and it caught up with me. Because you can act all you want, and you can convince other people that you're living for God, but at the end of the day, you know you're not. And, and if you're not living for God, those things are going to get worse and worse and worse. They're going to compound on your life, and eventually it's going to come out. And you're gonna be, people are going to see you for who you really are. And it's going to be really nasty and really bad. And you're going to end up in a spot you never thought you would be in. So if you want God to revolutionize your life and you want God to change your life and you want to see God do crazy things in your life, you have to be real. And if you're dealing with sin problems, if you're dealing with things in your life, fix it. And if you've got to find other people and drag them into it and say, hey, I need some help, you've got to do that. 
You've got to be aggressive and take action and solve those things. But it starts with being real. And it starts with owning up to the things that you're doing. So, do you really have a relationship with God? Are you really living for God? And then the thing, this, this last one I, I just thought of because I dealt with it a lot. What is church really to you? What is church really to you? And the reason I ask that is because um, I don't know how many of you grew up in church. And I don't even know if you grew up in church if you, if you deal with this. But um, the problem with church sometimes, especially if you grew up in it, is that there's only so many topics in the Bible, right? And you start hearing the same lessons over and over again, right? And for some of you, maybe, it, maybe church has gotten boring to you, right? And, and maybe you, you, you get, there are things that happen at the church that just cause anxiety for you, and that anxiety is built up and built up and built up to the point to where you're just like, I can't stand it anymore. And, and for me, it was like stuff like popcorn prayer. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, I'm going I'm to start, and then um, Brother Stephen's going to you know, finish. And if you feel led of the Lord to pray in between, that'd be great. And I was like, oh my goodness, what if I don't feel led to pray? What if somebody judges me? And then I wait too long, you know, maybe you wait too long and four people have already prayed and you're like, do I pray for the same thing they just prayed for? I don't really know. Lots of anxiety. I'm just, just throwing it out there. Um, standing in prayer. This used to cause me the greatest anxiety. You know, you're sitting down, the band starts praying or, or starts playing a song, you know. And you're, you're, you know, kind of worshiping along, and then one person stands up, and you're like, no, no. <laughs> then one, people start looking over at them, and like, oh, gosh, i got to stand too. So one by one, they're standing up. It is like popcorn. Doosh, doosh, doosh. And you're like, okay, what do I do? Do I hold out? But if I hold out, are people going to go, well, we're all standing, and you're sitting. <laughs> Jesus is not happy with that right now. So it's like all these things started going through my mind. And all these crazy things that happened at church started just weighing down on me. And here's how you know if you're bored at church. There's some signs that usually happen to people. And if this is you, you got to own up to it. One, you become super cynical, right? You become super cynical and super judgmental. And here's what that looks like. You go to church and you sit down and here's what goes through your mind. It's not, hey God, I love you. Let me worship you. Oh wow, what can you teach me tonight? It's, wow, this music's too slow. Man, I've heard this song a million times. What do they have, like three songs? They just repeat them over and over again. Lame. Or man, I went to another church. It's way better than this church. Or, oh, the lighting sequences were off on that. Or, or this one, have you heard this one? Maybe you're guilty of this. Shame, shame. Man, I feel like it's just not deep enough. What does that even mean to you? Deep enough? Deep enough? Jesus says, come to me like little children. Yeah, he was really talking deep. Have you read the Bible lately? Have you heard Jesus speak? He speaks in stories, right? Jesus does not get up there and go, Peter, you fisherman with no education, you. Today we're going to talk about the domestication of transcendence as it applies to Anselm's theory of relativity. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Peter, you don't know what that means? Well, <laughs> you clearly have not been to school. Let me make it easier for you. Let me talk about fish. <laughs> I'm so glad Jesus wasn't like that. Um, <laughs> dude, Jesus is kind of a jerk. Um, 
<laughs> right? But maybe you've said that before. I mean, it's just not deep enough. Yeah. Here's the thing. You know what deep is in the Bible? Deep is serving. Deep is taking what you know and then teaching other people and telling other people. That is the ultimate sign of deep. You were created for a purpose. God gave you gifts and abilities that are unique just for you. And your joy, when you've been a Christian, your joy eventually comes from you finding your purpose and achieving that purpose for your life. And if you are not serving anywhere and you are not using the gifts and abilities that God gave you, then you are not fulfilling the purpose of your life. And so you wonder why it is you're bored. You wonder why it is there's no joy in your life. You wonder why there's no passion. And the reason is because you're not fulfilling that joyous purpose that God has for your life. In Colossians 1.16, it says this, For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything started in him and finds its purpose in him. God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you. He created you in a unique way, not like everyone else, and he wants to use you. But for some of you, you just take and take and take and take and take. It's all about just me, 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 me. I just want to do this and do that. And you're not serving anywhere. And here's the great thing about our church is we provide a lot of different places for you to serve. A lot of places. Here in Soma, I don't even know how many. I always like laugh. I always like Doug Kelly because I'm like, how many different things do you have to serve? It's like committees of committees of committees. There's tons of things. (laughs) But here's the great thing. Soma provides ways for you to serve, for you to use your gifts and abilities. But even outside of Soma, and I'm not trying to recruit tons of people outside of Soma. Let me just go ahead and say that. But for some of you, you love little children. And I don't know why. I don't mean that in a creepy way. (laughs) Right? But you love helping out kids and and showing little kids, teaching them about God and, and about the stories of the Bible. You love that. That's your passion. And we have tons of little kids during the weekend. And they're always looking for people to serve in the kids' ministry. And for some of you, because you love little kids, God wants to use you and the unique gifts and abilities you have to serve over there. And here is how you know that those are unique, because I hate it. <laughs> people, people, used to, people used to ask me all the time. People used to say, Grant, how did you know that you were called into ministry, in a middle school ministry. And I'm like, because I started asking around about middle school ministry and people laughed at me and said, that's the worst thing possible. And I loved it for some reason. And I knew, and I just never thought about it. I thought everyone, weirdly enough, I thought everyone loved middle schoolers. Except their, except their parents. Um, right? And most other people. And their older siblings, right? And their younger siblings. And other people their own age. Like, but... But, but for some of you, it's so true. It's so true. But for some of you, you love, you love working with kids, and, and you're not. Why? We don't have enough time. Yes, you do. Stop it. Seriously, stop it. If I hear that one more time, I'm just going to go, bleh. I hate people say that. I just don't have enough time. Really. And then they, they follow, they forget they say that, and they follow it up by going, dude, I just binged watched. <laughs> <laughs> 
like every episode of Friends in three days. Like, is that even possible? And let's be honest, why? And I'm like, <laughs> but, but that's the whole thing, right? Like, stop making excuses. For some of you, you, you go, you know what? I, I, you would love being a part of our middle school ministry, right? As crazy as they are, they're at a point to where when you, when you serve in middle school ministry, you get to be a part of, of teaching them um, some of the foundational things of how to be Christ followers that they will take with the, through the rest of their life. You have a tremendous impact. In fact, we have a lot of wildlife um, people in here tonight that, that serve there, some leaders. They're the ones that just said, woo, in case you didn't know. Um, they actually don't. They're just random people going, woo, I, I know them. <laughs> but for some of you, you, if you, you know right now that if you served in that ministry, you would love it. But you don't. Because for whatever reason, you've convinced yourself that one, it's, you don't have time or it's just not your thing. For some of you, you're like, oh, man, I hate little kids. I hate middle schoolers. But, man, high school was awesome. High school is where God got a hold of my life. And, and, and you know that if you served with high school ministry, you, you would, it would be awesome and you would be so fulfilled to have an impact in the lives of high schoolers as they're trying to figure out their identity and, and what they're doing and where they're going. You know that would be awesome for you. So my question for you is that, is this. Like, what is church to you? Be real with yourself. Because once you're real with yourself, then you can start making forward progress. But if you never get real with yourself, you're going to be in denial, and it's just going to keep going and going and going. So, so here's what I want you to do. Tonight, because um, here's what always happened to me. When I was in college ministry, um, I would hear things, and then I'd go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'd walk out the door, and I'd forget everything, Right? And they say, what did they talk about? I don't know. You made a joke about some guy who got slapped on the butt. I don't know. Um, <laughs> here's what I want, to, I want to encourage you to not just leave it here, but I want to encourage you to go home and really give this some thought and really be honest about your relationship with Christ and be honest with um, if, if there are things in your life that you're dealing with and be honest about how you really feel about church. And if you, need to make, um, if you need to make some changes in your life, I can tell you this right now. Kelly's awesome. Go talk to him. Go talk to one of the other leaders that are in this ministry. You have like a prayer ministry, right? Go to the prayer corner thing. That sounds so horrible. Go to the prayer corner thing. Go to the prayer corner and ask for prayer. There are people that want to help you. Right? Don't just keep this to yourself. Don't, don't stay the status quo. Get people to help you out so that you, God can begin to change your life. The band's going to come up, play one more song. Um, I'm going to pray. But I want to encourage you, even during this last song, really focus on being real with God. When you sing to God, don't let it just be another song and just random lyrics. Let it be a song you're actually singing to the creator of the universe who created you and loves you and cares about you. That should blow your minds you get to sing praises to a God that loves you. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for loving us. And I pray for these college students. And I pray that, God, you would help them to be real with who they are. That there's, if there's any barriers, if there's any sin, if there's anything in their life, God, I pray that you would tear that down and let them know that you love them. You uniquely created them for a purpose with a plan. And, God, you want to do awesome things with their life. God, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.